So if like if we're at a, a restaurant and a spider comes down, right, and is on our table, you're not afraid of spiders. I'm terrified. You see it, you barely flinch. I see it. I jump back. I start screaming. My heart's racing. I'm sweating. In your reality, you're safe. In my reality, I'm in danger. In objective reality, we're both okay. But the truth remains, I made my reality real. And everything I'm experiencing is is real, as silly as it seems to other people. And what I want parents to do is with their children to cultivate the world they want to live in. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Cam F. Awesome, aka the motivational comic, is a former Olympic heavyweight, multi-time national champion boxer with over 400 wins under his belt. He rose to fame after being featured in the Netflix documentary Counterpunch, which chronicled his Olympic journey. Today, Cam uses his wit, humor, and life experience to inspire and entertain audiences around the country as a motivational speaker and comic. With his one-of-a-kind blend of comedy and motivation, Cam helps people of all ages tap into their inner strength and achieve their goals. Whether he's sharing his personal stories of triumph and adversity or cracking jokes that will have you rolling on the floor, Cam F. Awesome is sure to leave you feeling energized, motivated, and entertained. And I am so excited to have you on today. When your publicity person reached out to me, I was like, I got to have him on. He has so much great information to help parents with raising amazing kids. So welcome, Cam. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. So first, my first question, I loved where you talk about your name, Cam F. Awesome. So can you share with our audience where that name came from? So in 2013, I made the decision to change my last name to Awesome. And it was because I was looking for a reason to believe in myself. And I think words are so powerful. And I thought about how my internal dialogue was during the time. So in 2012, after winning the Olympic trials to represent the USA, I was kicked off the Olympic team for not sending in my paperwork for a drug test. I left the country to fight in a tournament, a tournament that you get drug tested to to fight in but I forgot to tell the drug testing agency I was leaving the country. So they showed up to my house to give me a random drug test. I wasn't there. Missed drug test is a positive drug test. That's what I was suspended for. So I talked to students about paying attention to the small detail. And I explained that the same situation happened to me in seventh grade when I was failing Spanish class and my Spanish teacher, she didn't call me an idiot, but she kind of alluded to it. And I wanted to get a hundred on my test so she could know that I wasn't stupid. Her class was, (laughs) that was my attitude. And I, I got every single, I I went home, I studied, I focused, I got every single answer right on this test, which means I could have always done that, but it took me to be upset to get it done. The next day I got to class excited to get my hundred to laugh in her face. And I got a 99 because I forgot to put the date for years. I was mad at that teacher for giving me the 99 And then now 
I, I actually am still mad that she gave me a 99. I wish she would have given me a zero. Wow. Because I see school as something to prepare you for actual real life. And in real life, you don't get 99s. You don't get to redo tests. You don't get makeup. There's no extra credit. I got a zero. And during that year, you could imagine me going on the news about going to the Olympics. And then a week later, ESPN puts out an article that I'm not going. Wow. I was embarrassed and heartbroken. So I... I stayed at home. I started to drink for the first time. I gained about 70 pounds and I lost a bet and had to be vegan for 28 <laughs> days. And the diet entails sobriety. So it was the first time I had to get sober during my suspension. And during that time, I thought back about like me when I first started boxing, I walked to the gym six miles every day. Wow. It was a three hour walk to the boxing gym. It sounds crazy, but like that's how dedicated I was. But I didn't have music back then. This was like 2006 when, when we had MP3 players and I didn't have money for batteries. So I would just make up stories in my head. And if I'm going to make up stories, I'm going to be the protagonist of these stories. So I was kicking butt in all of these stories. I was winning all my fights. I was knocking people out. I had all of the money. None of this was true. But I did this for three hours a day, five times a week. I thought so highly of myself after that. It changed my confidence. I was unstoppable until I got suspended and I was humbled by life. And I thought about what that meant. And I, th I thought about how my internal dialogue, to bring this back to the internal dialogue and why I changed my last name to awesome. Think about a time you've, you, you came home from a hard day's work, you, you put all your stuff on the counter and you realized you forgot your cell phone in the car. In that moment, do you say, oh, Aaron, Sometimes you mess up. I guess we'll go get the cell phone. Or are we like, ah, oh, you idiot, you forgot the phone. How do we speak to ourselves? And I like to ask parents, what would you do if your child spoke to you the way you speak to yourself? So what I did was I changed my last name to awesome as a reminder to believe in myself because I do think I'm awesome. And the fact that I think I'm awesome, I don't think you're any less awesome. There's enough awesome to go around. I decided to stop being humble. Yeah. So that's why I changed my last name to awesome. And I think that's great because it seems like, you know, it's great to be amazing. And everybody, hopefully we can get to this place where everybody sees themselves as amazing. And we value humility so much. And it's not like there's not a place for humility, but there is a place for when we do really well, when we work really hard, when we achieve something that we should be proud of ourselves. And it's great to be proud of ourselves that we need to see that for what it is. Because like you said, we spend so much time talking ourselves down and saying negative things about ourselves. And then we think that we're supposed to be so humble and about ourselves and our accomplishments that, you know, to turn that around and recognize the accomplishment for what it is and the hard work for what it is. And then also be gentler on ourselves about when we mess up because we're going to, we're human and make that an okay thing. I messed up. I'll try to do better next time. And that's such a great lesson. Yes, I hear that. And I will double down on that because I completely agree with you. Look up the definition of humble. Okay. Because this is what I, I and I'm looking up right now just so I can give the actual definition. This is what I realized in 2012 when I was going through my suspension. I, the definition of humble, the first one, having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Wow. But you know what, Aaron, maybe that's a fluke. I'll read the second definition. 
of low social, administrative, or political rank. That doesn't sound too good. Let me try a third definition. Lower in dignity or importance. Now, would you wish any of these things on your children? No, of course not. But we've been conditioned as a society to be humble, but we don't understand how powerful words are. You mentioned humility earlier. Humility sounds very close to humiliate. You're right. Words are powerful. So what we do is we don't celebrate our wins, right? We're taught not to celebrate ourselves. And to even go further, we don't even celebrate our wins around people who we don't think can handle it. You've got good news, but there's certain people you don't share it with. You don't want to make them feel bad. First of all, that's none of your business. Some people might see you doing well, and that makes them feel better about themselves. But what we do is, like, I think I'm up here. I'm awesome. If someone doesn't have confidence and they're down here, what they would rather me do is lower myself, which is being humble, because the Latin root word, by the way, of humble is low, lowly. So you want me to be lowly. You want me to humble myself down to you. I was humbled by life in 2012 when I got suspended. This would make this person feel more comfortable. But what I want to do is I want to elevate other people up to me. It's not that hard. And there's enough positive energy to go around for everyone. And it's contagious. I love that. I'm going to share a story about my son because it really fits in here. And sports is such a great analogy for all of this. But there's so many other areas of life that, you know, everybody has amazing gifts and talents. And it might be in science. It might be in the arts. My son is a tennis player. And he just started playing less than two years ago. And he is just like rising, 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 rising very quickly. He gets it. He gets the game mentally, physically. And he plays an opponent. Right now, he's on an eight-match winning streak. And these opponents are pretty angry with him by the end of the match because he comes in ranked lower than them and leaves ranked higher than them. And it's very personal. It becomes very personal. And I said to my son this morning, driving him to school, he knows there's going to come a day he's going to come up against an opponent that's going to actually push him. We're going to get him there where somebody's going to you know, push his level and he's going to be like, okay, I'm not quite at this level yet, but we're still, we're still on the up. But I said, every opponent you have that you lose to, you owe them some gratitude for showing you what it is that you need to work on, where your holes are, where your weaknesses are. And you should be grateful to that person for showing you how to become a better player and not angry with them for not, you know, losing to you or not coming down and, you know, messing up. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that's the way to look at it. So in boxing, I have 39 losses, which is more losses than anyone you could probably name in boxing. But I do tell a story about this guy, Roberto Camarelli. He was the number one boxer in the world. He came to Reno, Nevada. He's he's an Italian boxer. He represents Italy. He came to my home country to fight me on my turf. Aaron, if you think I'm going to let someone come to my country and beat me on my home turf, you're out of your mind. I lost that fight. Oh, no. (laughs) Wasn't even close, Aaron. Wasn't even close. They fight so differently in Europe. Hmm. They throw punches in a wide way so you can't see them coming. And it threw me off. And I got back to the locker room and I realized that what he did to me was I never saw it before. No one else in America has seen it before. I went on like a 30 fight win streak because of what I learned from that loss. Wow. That's one loss. I've got 39 of them. And I've got now I've got over 400 wins. If if I would have stopped at 20 losses, I would have never got to 400 wins. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. 
I love that. There's just so much more to be learned from our failures than our successes many times. There's so much in here I want to talk to about like talking to our kids about paying attention to small details. This is such an important thing for teaching our kids because it is going to make or break them in almost any area, whether it's academics or, you know, sports or anything that they pursue. What messages do you have for parents can talk to their kids about paying attention to those small details? Yeah. So when I speak to students about small details, the first thing I do is I let them know about failure. So they need to learn about failure because the small details will lead to the failure. But if you're only allowing yourself to fail once, that small detail lessons is not going to be very valuable. You're going to need to be able to fail constantly. One of the big takeaways from my speeches at schools is if you can fail without being discouraged, success becomes inevitable. Because if people don't quit when they fail, they quit when they get discouraged. True. And a lot of us get discouraged before we even start. So we don't. That is so true. And I have to throw a statistic out there. So there's 30% of adults who don't even set goals for themselves. 30%. Why? Probably because they're afraid they're going to fail right out the gate. So they're like, why should I bother? Yeah. I, I heard a beautiful quote yesterday. If you don't have a plan, you become a part of someone else's. Yeah. And if you don't have a goal, you don't really have a plan. You're just in the wind. Swept up with the current. So probably, I would say then the bigger lesson seems to be how we can help our kids become more resilient, which is a lot of what you talk about, right? It's the resilience, it's the bounce back factor that they need to be able to fail and not feel like it's personal, that it reflects on them personally. It's a lesson that's not yet learned versus I'm just terrible at this. Why should I try? Yes. Here's where I I end every speech with this. And this helps with the resilience piece because the whole idea is resilience is you can fail, but you just can't quit. And you only quit if you feel sad and discouraged. But if you can get yourself to fail and not be that upset about it, you're more likely to continue on. So in 2008, I was only boxing for two years. I qualified for the 2008 Olympic trials. I lost the first day. It, like, it wasn't even close. I lost the first day. But I stuck around. I won nationals every year until 2012. I won the Olympic trials. I got kicked off the Olympic team. Now, if I would have quit then, I would have never been able to be who I am today. I wasn't discouraged. I kept going. Of course, I dealt with a year of my downfalls, but I kept going. I won nationals every year until 2016 to represent Rio in the Olympics. Oh, wow. Yeah. But then I lost an international competition and didn't get to go to Rio. Oh. Continued boxing, won the Olympic trials in 2020, finally. And then the pandemic happened. It's the same. We all know what happened then. So the idea of resilience is if I were to be too upset to continue at any point along this journey, I would have never become who I was. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. 
air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads love where you live. Now, how do you get yourself to continue on? That is the big secret question to do that. You're going to have to change some things. And what does change look like? It looks like change and it's, it's not comfortable. I read Napoleon Hill's think and grow rich book. Great book. Before I read the book, I had this thought. We read how many books have we read in our life? And we read someone's book because we value their opinion. We want to know their insight. We need their advice. And then we get to the end of the chapter and there's an action statement that says, don't keep going until you finish this part and you do this action. What do we do, Aaron? Keep reading. We keep reading. (laughs) So I decided I'm going to do everything the next book tells me to do. It was during the pandemic. I had a lot of time on my hands. (laughs) <laughs> and it was Napoleon Hill's thing and grow rich. It was a little woo woo for me, but before you knew it, I had posted notes in my shower, on my bathroom, <laughs> writing stuff with lipstick on the bathroom mirror. Like I went all in and it worked. Basically the concept of this book is that you think about money enough money comes. So I figured, could you do this with happiness? I was isolated during the pandemic. I was sadder than normal. So there's a company called notes to self. They put Positive affirmations. You guys can't see it, but but he's got these socks on and on the bottom it says happiness, which is so great. And and on the top, it says, I love my life. (laughs) So this lady, she started a company called Notes to Self because she found out that your brain is more receptive to information, not positive or negative, just your brain's more receptive to information first thing in the morning. So what she did is she puts positive affirmations on underwear (laughs) so you can start your day on positive thoughts. So thinking about this, I realized, well, how do we actually start our day? Our phones. And if you know anything about your phone, it's like the news. And the timeline is the worst gets shown first. 
So the first thing we do in the morning, we hit snooze, we do math in nine minute increments, and then we start to check our notifications, negative stuff. So what I decided to do is every morning before I look at my phone, I put my phone always on do not disturb. I write a list of 10 things I'm grateful for every morning. I challenge students to do this for 30 days. I am grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my car. I'm grateful for my washer. I'm <laughs> grateful for my dryer. Those are two different things. You can be grateful for everything. I started to do this. And then every morning I come up with 10 new things. By week two, this got very difficult. Right. <laughs> and it started to take me like 15 or 20 minutes to look for something, look, have 10 things to be grateful for. And I really wanted to look at my phone. So I felt like there's a, a timer on me. So what I did was I started to look for things throughout my day to be grateful for, store it in my memory, call it delayed gratification so I can write my list faster the next morning. Now, side note, this, is, this activated what is called your RAS, your reticular activating system. Are you familiar? I am. I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but I think it's great to bring it up again because it's such an important idea. I'm not a doctor, but if I were, I have the greatest doctor name ever, <laughs> but I'll do my best to describe it. So your brain takes in billions of bits of information every moment, not every second, every moment, 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 a lot of moments, a lot of information. So the way your brain handles it is your unconscious mind filters it through your RAS to your conscious mind, only what it thinks you're looking for. So if you ever heard what you seek is what you will find, that's what we're talking about. So the idea is like you go out shopping for a yellow car. You don't buy a yellow car, but you start to see yellow cars everywhere after that. <laughs> and it's not that someone painted all the cars yellow the morning before. Those cars were always there. Your brain sees so many cars, but it never knew that you were looking for a yellow one. And the second you made a conscious effort to say, hey, we're looking for yellow cars, your brain started spotting them out everywhere. And to prove that point to you, isn't your car the most popular car you see on the road? It's a Tesla, so it kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would think so. I don't drive a Tesla. I see Priuses everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So so that's that's how your brain works. So when I started to wake up every morning to look for things to be grateful for, what do you think I started to find? All the things to be grateful for. Now, there was nothing on this list to be grateful for that wasn't there yesterday. But the more you dig for gratitude, the more you find. I challenge students to do this for 30 days because after 30 days, you have 300 reasons why you should wake up on day number 31. Failure is real. And I can give you whatever talk in the world, but you're, you're going to deal with failure. You're going to get sad because of it. This is a tool to help get you out of that sadness and keep you resilient. Another thing I do with this list is I don't add anyone's name to this list unless I'm willing to reach out to them that day out of context and tell them that I appreciate them. I started this during the pandemic because I was sad, of course. So I started, if I, if I can add any name to this list, I'll just add 10 random names, not think twice and move on. But this added intentionality. So what I would do is I'd send a picture, let's say my friend Marlon in California, I'm like, hey, Marlon, can't wait to have lunch with you sometime. Send up a picture of us having lunch years ago. Miss you, love you. She doesn't respond right away. She's just that type of person. But when she does get it, it's going to bring her joy. That brings me joy. She's going to respond. That brings her joy. Brings me joy. I've been doing this since July 26 of 2021. I've never repeated anything on this list. And I was re reaching out to random friends for about two years. They don't even know why. I've been reaching out to friends randomly to tell them I love them. Now my, my friends text me randomly that they love me. And they don't even know why they're doing it. That's how contagious gratitude is. Wow. So... 
I think what's really important is teaching our kids that failure is an opportunity, that failure is an opportunity to do better. It's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to gain a lesson. And if we can help our kids to see that rather than having it, you know, be something that pulls them down, something that they feel less than or they take it personally, that that is part of that resilience piece that they can learn. And so when we help them see, you know, ask them, what did you learn from this experience? What do you think you could do better the next time? You need to study harder. What were the facts that you didn't have down? And help them to learn how to rise above that and do better the next time. Yes. And I would even go farther in saying your your kids will also look at how you handle failure. That's true. I would say that everything is normal to you once it's normalized. This gratitude practice, I said it's changed because it's going to be a little uncomfortable at first. It takes a couple of weeks for your RAS to kick in to retrain your brain to find gratitude. After about three weeks, it becomes very easy. But that first three weeks is going to be difficult. I urge parents to do this. Even if you look at your phone before you do it, do this with your, your children in the morning before they start their day. Because if, if you're four or five years old and you're helping you and you don't have to do 10, you can start your list with three. I just, I go hard. But if you start a four-year-old with writing a list, you help them write it, and they do it their entire lives. By the time they're 12 or 13, if they go to a slumber party and they bring their journal, they're going to think it's weird that the other kids aren't writing a gratitude list in the morning because it's going to be so normalized to them. But it, it also takes the parents doing it as well. I love that. And we're heading into summer too. So it's a little easier rather than trying to squeeze it in before getting everybody out the door for school. So it's a great time to start this practice. I think I'm going to start, I'm going to start that with my kids every morning, have them start out with three to five things that they're grateful for and start learning to use that filter even more. And the other thing I want to talk about is the RAS. And I talk about this with parents. I've only mentioned the RAS like in one episode, but I do talk about focus on the positive with our kids because that is the best way to help change their behavior is by focusing on the things they do well and focusing on their positive behavior because then the kids start to see themselves as that type of person. So as a child who's resilient, as a child who is perseverant, as a child who's helpful and kind, and we're helping them set up their own filter as the type of person that they are. But when we focus on our children's positive behavior, we start to see more of their positive behavior and we start to focus less on the negative behavior. So it actually is just this great cycle that kind of feeds. They react more positively, but we also just see more of the positive. And why that's such an important thing in, in parenting and starting to focus on their positive behaviors to ratchet that up. Yeah. It takes us, the parents, to have the conscious mind to look for the positive behavior because we're still, as parents, we're still humans and we look for the negative things. We look for the things that kind of tick us off and it's easy to spot that in your child. So even with this gratitude list, if I told someone to write a list of 10 things that aren't going right, they could come up with that a lot faster because that's what we're consciously looking for. Well, and especially if we're already having that kind of day, right? If we start out and it's like, this goes wrong and that goes wrong and the garage door breaks and and then we're just like in that space, it, we're going to start to focus more on the negative. So being more aware of that, changing our own view, focusing on the positive from the first moment, those little things that are negative, they kind of fall to the side and we let in more room for our, our things that are positive that we have gratitude for. A perfect example of that is like you mentioned, like the battery in the garage door opener doesn't work right anymore. It's dead. You remember that for your day, but you don't remember the time you plugged the USB in and you got it on the first try. It's like those little things that you should celebrate that we don't even, we look over. Anytime I plug the USB in and I get it on the first try, 
I'm like, oh yeah, I'm killing it today. <laughs> Cause you can find all these little, and though it's free, Aaron, it's free. <laughs> the more you look for it, the more you find there's so many little good, great little things that happen in your day. That is so great. You're right. We don't, we don't do that. We don't think about everything that worked up to that point. We probably had a hundred things that worked. And then the one thing that doesn't, we're like, oh, my day's off to a terrible start. <laughs> Confirmation bias. That's what that is. How your brain works. You look for that one thing. And you think that that thing is there's so much more than it actually is. Just like Tesla's. You you're convinced everyone, like pretty much like everyone kind of drives a Tesla. But in your mind, and you have to realize like your reality is your reality. So if like if we're at a, a restaurant and a spider comes down, right, and is on our table, you're not afraid of spiders. I'm terrified. You see it, you barely flinch. I see it, I jump back, I start screaming, my heart's racing, I'm sweating. In your reality, you're safe. In my reality, I'm in danger. In objective reality, we're both okay. But the truth remains, I made my reality real. And everything I'm experiencing is, is real, as silly as it seems to other people. And what I want parents to do is with their children to cultivate the world they want to live in. You can choose what your RAS looks at. I like to ask parents, have you taken any direct action based off something you've seen on the news in the last seven days? If you haven't, that's not information, that's entertainment. And it's pretty depressing entertainment. Your timeline on social media, I talk to students about this. I'm a fan of social media. People say social media is negative. I disagree. I think people are negative and they're blaming social media. Every fifth post on Instagram is an ad. Have you noticed that? I haven't. No. Now, now you won't be able to stop <laughs> seeing it. Every fifth post is an ad. Instagram is worth billions of dollars with a B. Instagram makes billions of dollars off of 20% of your timeline. What value are you getting out of the other 80? It's up to you, I suppose. <laughs> that, and, and I tell students it's up to them. It's who you follow. So. I, I follow maybe about 20,000 people follow me on Instagram. I follow maybe about 100 people. There are more than 100 people that I love, but not more than 100 people I can follow because let's say we all have one bad day a week and I follow 3,000 people. That's a lot of bad days I see on my timeline. If you follow the news and you see constant negative news stories, that's what you're going to open up your phone and see. And that's what you're going to believe is in this entire world. And just like your Teslas, you're going to see negative stuff on your phone and you're going to look out in the world and you're going to spot out all the negative things. I follow Tank's Good News. It's a popular social media page and they just post positive news. I follow dogs wearing people clothes. <laughs> and I, I tell students, I, I have them go look at who I'm following. You cultivate your reality. If someone's posting negative things, remove them from your life. It doesn't mean you don't love them. You just don't need to see their negativity every day. Now, there are people you can't unfollow. And we call these people uncles and aunts. You can hide them, though. There's a mute button. <laughs> You can mute them. I'm a big fan of making your time because your timeline is a reality you create for yourself. Whatever you see in your timeline is what you're going to see in real life. And what I tell students to do is judge free, by the way, open up Instagram, hit the discovery button. That's who you are. Hmm. It's there's no one knows you better than your phone and your algorithm. It knows your interest. Whatever's on your algorithm, whatever you open up your discover page to see. That's what your actual interests are. So what I like students to do is with parents, sit down and make a value chart with your child. Make, and the way I like to do is write, come up with 20 values, make a list of as many as you could come up on your own, and then you can get a cheat sheet and choose some, but come up with 20. After you have your 20, choose 15 of them to throw away. Wow. Okay. You can only, you can only have five. So you have to choose your top five, which is very difficult. 
Now look at your discovery page on Instagram. Does that reflect any of your values? <laughs> okay. I'm going to try that. I want to talk about one more thing because I think this was really, really great. You were talking about the inner journey versus the outer journey. You were talking about on Instagram, you were talking about the outer journey was like the goal to get to. And I think that's a really important thing to kind of differentiate and, and help talk to our kids about that inner journey and that outer journey. Yes. I think goals, we should look at goals as a lighthouse. You're in the ocean. It's dark. You see the lighthouse. That's your goal. That's the direction you're going in. The closer you get to the lighthouse, the more details you're going to see on the lighthouse. You're going to see what color it is, maybe the texture, the grass around it. And the closer you get to the lighthouse, the more you're going to realize it doesn't look exactly like you thought it was going to look, but you went in the right direction. And that's what the lighthouse is. So for me, my goal was in boxing. My lighthouse was the Olympics. That was my goal. 2008, 2012, 2016, and 2020, 16 years, I went after the same goal and I didn't get it. That goal was my lighthouse. The closer I got to the Olympics, the more I realized I had to sacrifice, the more things I realized I had to give up. Uh, I didn't see that. I didn't realize, you know, you miss Christmas with your family. You miss birthdays, holidays, weddings. You miss funerals. I didn't think that was on the lighthouse when I was going towards it. These are things that I learned on my way on the journey. There are a lot of wins and losses in there. 2008, I lost in the Olympic trials. I was, was embarrassed. I thought I was going to win. 2012, I won and I got suspended. There's ups and downs in this. I had to continue towards the lighthouse. Now, my career is over. I woke up with a detached retina last April and I can't box anymore. I did officially retire after the pandemic anyway, but now it's officially over. If you were to base my career off of my goal, which was the Olympics, my career would have been a failure. But if you look at the inner journey of what happened towards that goal, because I didn't get the goal, the inner journey, I've traveled over 30 countries as captain of the USA national boxing team. I have friends all over this world. I've, I've been to most states. I've been able to use what I've learned in the ring to build a career for myself in speaking. I have friends that I, would, I wouldn't trade for anything. Now, if you looked at the journey as the Olympics, oh, yeah, yeah, I failed. But I don't think my career was a failure. There's a lot of people who, like, their goal might be to make it to the NBA. Yes, cool. Let, that, let the NBA be your lighthouse. But play basketball. That's your inner journey. You like to play basketball? Play basketball. If you end up not making it to the NBA, but you make it to the D-League, you got to play basketball. If you didn't make it to the D-League, but you had to play basketball in Spain, guess what? You have a passport now. You're playing basketball. If you didn't make it to Spain, but you're playing in a rec league at the local YMCA, you're playing basketball. Think about all the people you've met while playing basketball, the healthy things you've gained, the skills you've learned, the cardio you've done. The friendships. The friendships. So yeah, you didn't make it to the NBA. Are you a loser? No. Only if you judge it with that one-dimensional mind. And I think that's silly. You're selling yourself short. So yeah, I think it's definitely important to help our kids focus on that inner journey and what they're gaining because there's so much that we gain from every experience that if you just focus on that external journey that you're going to feel a lot of disappointment, but there's so much to be gained and so much, again, back to the gratitude, so much to be grateful for. Yes, so much to be grateful for. And I do tell students there are three different types of goals. The first goal, it's the most common goal. It's the one no one bats an eye at. I'm going to graduate high school. Cool. That's your goal. It's a very basic goal. No, no offense or anything, but whatever. The second goal, that's the goal that's a little more ambitious, but it's based off passion. You want to prove someone wrong. Oh, I'm going to graduate high school, but they don't think I'm going to graduate college. Oh, I'm going to prove it to them. Watch me. 
That's a second goal. That's a goal out of vengeance. And actually, you may or may not even want to have gone to college. You're just doing it to prove someone wrong. That's what this goal is about. Now, the third goal is the goal you don't even tell yourself. That's the goal you actually want. That's the, I'm going to make it to the NBA. Oh, no, I'm not even that tall. That's crazy. Oh, I'm, I want to be a singer. My voice isn't that good. I'm going to be an engineer. Well, no one in my family's ever really been to college and been successful. That third goal is the actual thing that you want. And that's just the scariest goal because just like the 30%, if you don't make the decision, you never technically failed. So you don't make the goal. Right. Playing it safe. Yeah. Well, that was wonderful. Thank you so much for all this great information, some great stuff for kids and parents. How can anybody who's listening find you, whether they're a school administrator or a, a parent who wants to know more, listen to what you have to say? Yeah. So I do stand up comedy and I used to use the last five minutes of school assemblies to try out new jokes. And I realized the students like the jokes more than they like the speech. <laughs> so what I do at schools now is I basically do a, a one hour stand up comedy show. It's like a one man show with jokes, morals, and messages. It's storytelling and every story has a joke or a moral uh, attached to it. Because if they're listening, if they're laughing, they're listening. If they're listening, they're learning. If they're learning, I did a job. So I speak on positivity, acceptance, and resilience. And you can find me at camfawesome.com and at camfawesome on social media. I'm right now currently planning my school speaking tour for the 2023-24 school year. Great. That is so great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.